All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to continue the series on why spiritual oneness is important or why the family is important. Genesis chapter 2 in the Word of God. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, one of my favorite chapters in the Word of God and one of the greatest descriptions of marriage in the Word of God is found in this chapter for sure. And thank the Lord uh, for that. Amen. And um wanted to uh, ask you to really pray for Brother Chris Hanks and uh, some of the decisions he's making and um, pray for pray for him, okay? <clears throat> In Genesis chapter 2, last week we uh, preached on point one, why the family's important is because it is the foundation for society. We went to Genesis chapter 18 about Abraham uh, going to build a great nation, Genesis 18, 18, and um, uh, because he'd rule his family, and uh, the family is the core or the foundation for all society. If uh, the family crumbles, then uh, the uh, society and nation is going to crumble. And um, the devil's doing a great job, a great job, a terrible job, in uh, ruining families. One out of two families in America do not last. And I'm going to tell you something. If you've ever been through the trauma of divorce, you're cheering for me right now as I preach on the permanency of marriage because you know the hurt um, and you know the heartache and you know the disappointment and especially you know what it does to children. And so uh, if you're married, you're in a covenant relationship and number two, it's the Father's priority, and it's the Father's plan. In Genesis chapter 2, and verses 18 through 25, talks about how God performed the first marriage, uh, created woman out of man, and uh, they too were one, and they weren't ashamed of it. Uh, anything before marriage, you ought to be ashamed of it if it's intimate. Amen? That's not God's will. But I was told about an angel who came to Adam before Eve was ever created and said to Adam, he said, Adam, I have a proposition for you. We're going to uh, uh, craft you an individual. Um, and he said, what? An individual? He said, someone like you, but different. Oh, what will, it, uh, what, what will it be like? He said, well, it's going to be a she. Amen? Can all, everybody say amen right there? It should be a she. Okay. God, help our nation. But anyway, in this world. Well, it's going to be a she. And she, well, what will she do? Well, when you come in from tending the garden, she'll be at the door, beautifully adorned, and she'll smell so sweet, and she'll open her arms and give you a big hug and bring you in, and, uh, and she'll kiss you, and she'll bring the newspaper to you, and she'll bring some slippers for you, and she'll massage your shoulders, and then she'll uh, have a wonderful meal there, and afterwards... She'll do the dishes, and then she'll just uh, sit in, at your feet and look up at you and be ready to do anything you want her to do. Glad my wife's out of the room. And um, uh, I lost my place. I got so excited about this. I mean, do anything you, you want her to do. And he said, well, that sounds wonderful. So what, what's that going to cost me? And the angel said, that's going to cost you uh, a, a right arm, and, a, and, and your leg. Oh, what do you think 
And then he looked at the, the angel and said, well, what do you think uh, I could get for just a rib? Amen. And so um, I'm an Adam's river, not a, uh, not a women's liberal. And I believe in submission, but I believe in spiritual leadership. And it's all God's plan. I want to tell you something. Folks, we ought to realize that marriage is God's plan. I highly recommend that you get married. Amen. Stay married. And I really highly recommend that you enjoy marriage. How many enjoy your marriage? Say amen. That's pretty good. Amen. I didn't think it would be that loud. That's great. We ought to enjoy each other's presence. Uh, I've been married to my wife for 47 years, and uh, I, I tell you what, she's a wonderful wife. We have a wonderful relationship. It's not perfect, because you know me, but it, thank God, she's a patient woman, and she's a loving person, and she's always encouraging me, and I appreciate her so much. Um, in verse 18 through 25, the Bible says, The Lord God said it's not good that man should be alone. And I'll make him a helpmate for him. That's a great description of a wife. I'll get to that in a minute, what it means in the Hebrew, and what it ought to mean for every family in this room. And it says, Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl there, and brought them into Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So Adam was brilliant. I mean, he could name... Uh, but the Bible says in verse 20, And Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the fowl there, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of the ribs, remember that one rib, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto man. That's why you ought to treat your wife as a gift from God. This is God's plan. This is God's priority. Your home is God's priority. Look at verse 23, Acts, uh, Genesis chapter 2. And Adam said, It is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she is made out of man. And therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to bless uh, this second uh, on the lessons or the series on why spiritual oneness is so important. Why marriage is so important. Why the family is so important. Number one, it's because it's the foundation of all society. And number two, it's the father's priority. And may I add on the outline, his plan. And he knows what he's doing. So let's pray and ask God to bless. You singles need to hear this now, so don't turn me off. Uh, you need to go know what you're getting into and keep your standards high. Father, thank you for the good song service and the good prayer meeting. I pray, God, you'd bless this message on the home. And God, thank you for the way you moved last Wednesday night. I stood amazed how, God, you, uh, you blessed. God, I, I want to see you do it again and bless your word once again as you always do. But God, help me to get out of the way. Help me to be a spirit-filled uh, vessel for God. 
And help me, Lord, to uh, preach this <clears throat> as from the Lord. And we'll praise you and thank you for helping our homes. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, God's plan for oneness is found in verses 18 through 25. It was the first wedding. <clears throat> I don't see any tuxes. In fact, I don't know if they're wearing anything, but uh, that was a cheap wedding, amen. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know if there was much decorations. I don't know if there was any, even food uh, afterwards. But I'll tell you one thing, there was a gift from God named woman to man. And thank the Lord, I'm telling you, friend, God knows what he's doing. And I want to tell you something, it is a slap in God's face. You know I'd bring this up. It's a slap in God's face for men to be with men and late women, I won't say ladies, women with women. It's abomination to God. It's wicked. It's a, it's a, it's a heresy. It's going against the creator, the maker of the family, marriage. Um, I want you to realize that there needs to be a few things happening uh, for you to realize how wonderful God's plan is. Number one, the commitment to receive your mate is God's perfect provision for you must be based on faith in God, who you can always trust. I want to tell you something, God does not make junk. And God does not plan a marriage that will last six months or six years. God has a plan for your marriage to be till death do you part or till the rapture does you part. I hope you both go up together. But I want to tell you something. We, you ought to receive your mate as God's perfect provision. That's exactly what happened in the first wedding when he made woman because it was not good. Everything else was good, but it was not good that man be alone. And he had all the wisdom, and, and he named all the animals. And he just didn't, he, had, he just needed a help meet. Now, the word help meet, you'll find it in verse 18 and another verse on down. Uh, Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. You know what that means? It's a divine completer. It's a divine complement. And I will say this, and it's a shame and disgrace. But most marriages is a divine competition. And folks, he, she's not your divine com, com, uh, compete, competer. She's your divine completer. And you ought to feel incomplete without your spouse. You ought to feel complete, and you ought to complete her, and she ought to complete you. You see, the ministry of marriage, it's not just manipulation. That's the best you can do in the flesh. The best you can do in the flesh is get your little old way. And your little old way is not, not as good as God's way. God's way is that two sinners get saved, filled with the Spirit of God, and overflow to each other, and let the love of God flow from one heart to another. That's why you are almost insane to date anybody that's not saved. Uh, matter of fact, it's a violation of Scripture. You say, I don't like that. I'm not running for anything, so don't. Listen, you go home and watch, uh, listen to a boring speech from, from a radical if you want to, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm preaching right now to tell you that it is an insult to God to go against his plan. It's an insult to God not to receive your mate as God's provision for your fulfillment. And, folks, we ought to not low-rate each other. We should not criticize each other. We should not fight and fuss. Have you ever been in a, uh, a fight and a fuss? Well, I'll tell you what, it's great to make up, amen? And I know you have, you've been married over six minutes. 
Uh, some people I heard got, got in an argument in their, on their honeymoon. On my honeymoon, we was in this mobile home in, the, in South Georgia that some guy gave us in the church, and I was too cheap not to receive it, and uh, a, a, a tornado came up, and a hurricane, it was a hurricane, which was at the coast near Darien, near Brunswick. And I want to tell you something, we got real close that night in that little old mobile home. And I said, if I can, if we'll make it through the night, honey, I promise you I'm going inland. Amen. And I promise you I'll never uh, do this again and cut corners uh, on our time together. And so uh, we've never, we've never stayed on the coast in a hurricane since. But I'm going to say this. A lot of people are in a hurricane. Their homes are t- terrible. I mean, it's turmoil. It's uh, fighting and fussing. And at the most, it's manipulation because there's two sinners trying to meet each other's need. The greatest need for a man is significance. The greatest need for a woman is security. And folks, security means I, I want to be loved no matter what, no matter what happens in my life. And I think of Johnny McNeese every time I, I preach this uh, uh, point. But I want to tell you something, folks. We need to realize that God had a response uh, to man's loneliness and man's incompleteness He was not satisfied. He could spell all the rhinoceros and hippopotamus, and he could pronounce it uh, fluently, but he had nobody to say, boy, that's a great name. He had nobody to say, boy, you're the wisest person on this earth. He was the only person on this earth besides God, but he should have been the wisest. It was a great relationship. There was no mother-in-law. No, not really. But it was just a great relationship, a great relationship. And, folks, God majors in great relationships. But two sinners will never meet each other's needs. Two sinners will even mutate and mutilate what's called marriage into what they want. And that is so sad that we try to design our own life. He's the designer. He's the maker. And folks, he thought of the idea of marriage. Aren't you glad that he thought of that? I am so glad that I'm married to Miss Connie And I'm glad she's different than me. Amen. I mean, really different. If she was ugly as I was, I would never want to kiss her. Amen. And I I don't know what in the world. Well, I ain't going to go into it. But but I'm just saying, folks, God help our society that would accept that kind of relationship. And I'm not trying to be cruel. I went all of them to the Lord, and I feel uh, sad not witnessing the other day to a couple. I said loosely, couple. The commitment number two, to leave your parents, means cutting the cords of dependence and allegiance. The Bible says in the greatest verse on marriage in the Old Testament, I believe 1 Peter 3, 7 is the greatest in the New Testament. It says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother. Did you hear that? Leave his father and mother. That does not mean that you're independent, emotionally or financially detached. You better thank God for their help (laughs) for the first few years. Amen. Um, my my pappy, um, my um, wife's daddy, and we saw some pictures of him today that tore Connie up. I got to stop posting those kind. But um, uh, he used to uh, give us $100 a month to help us when we started this church. And I thought, my goodness, my father-in-law supporting my ministry. And he gladly did it. And I'll tell you what, he didn't want anybody else to know, but he's in heaven now. I can tell what I want to about him. But I want to tell you something. Pappy was so generous. And so, such a father to me. And I love him. And so I, it don't mean you dis, dis, be disenchanted with your in-laws. It doesn't mean that you leave your father and mother and never visit them. 
it means this, you leave dependence. You leave dependence. I want to tell you something. When you get married, your leader is not your daddy anymore. It's your husband. Amen? And if daddy gets involved in every fuss, it's going to be problems. Has anybody ever experienced in-law problems? Amen. Praise God. I never have. Well, I probably have. But I'll say this. We all have. This leaving means there's a new dependence. This this leading means there's new respect and it's a shift of loyalty. Your first obligation is to your husband, wives, not to your daddy, not to your mother. And I want to tell you something, friend. You need to realize that the Bible has the plan. I didn't come up with this. So y'all don't like this, I know. But I want to tell you something. We have to let them grow up and we have to let them leave. We have, to, we have to cut the apron string, so to speak. And I was a mama's, I, I shouldn't even say that. I was a mama's baby. That's what my wife calls me. I was a mama's baby. And I tell you what, it was hard for me sometimes uh, not to call her and say, would you straighten her out? And if I'd have done that, I would have been very lonely right now, I guarantee you. But I, I just want to say the leaving, it means there's a chain of counsel with your parents. You ought to take your parents' counsel all your life because they're wiser than you but it's not a chain of command. It's a new relationship, amen? So the commitment to leave your parents means cutting the cords of dependence and allegiance. Number three, the commitment to cleave to your mate is unconditional, irrevocable choice of your will. Marriage is a permanent, sacred covenant not to be taken lightly, amen? And a lot of times people say they vow to death do their part and it lasts six weeks, six months. And they really don't mean it. And they're trying to get a vow of feelings. When we need to get a vow of choice, we're going to love this person, honor this person. We're going to be won by the grace of God and choose God's plan rather than our own. If you live by your feelings, you're a fickle Christian. If you live by your feelings, you're up and down. And if you're married by your feelings, you're going to be unpredictable. And you're going to be sad one day and glad the next day, and you will drive her crazy. Or, or him crazy. We must go by commitment in the Lord and yielded to the Spirit of God. So there's leave and then there's cleave. Look at the next phrase. It says cleave unto his wife. The word cleave means allegiance, loyalty. It recognizes uh, that we need each other as husband and wife and that we need each other in a special way and that is that we need God. And folks, the, the, the greatest thing you can do is love the same person. You need to love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and all your soul. Then you'll have the capacity to love your mate. I'm just saying this, friend. The reason that spiritual oneness is so important, it's the Father's priority, but it's the Father's plan. This is a great plan. I think it's a wonderful plan. Say amen. I don't know why everybody's not married. Amen. And I have three marital counseling sessions. And they come into my office on the first session and look like they're going to get murdered or worked over. And I said, listen, loosen up. I'm for this. I have a wonderful wife. I have wonderful children. And thank God, I'm going to tell you something, I'm for this. And they loosen up a little bit and breathe. because They think they're going to get worked over or talked out of the relationship. I'm for it. I'm for God's plan and God's will and God's spirit to be dominant in your life because it says leave and then cleave. But here is the whole plan. And everybody just uses the word marriage, 
But I think you ought to use something deeper than marriage. It says, and they shall be one. They shall be one flesh. In the Bible days, until they consummated the marriage, they weren't considered married. But I want to tell you something, friend. You need to be one in the spirit. And you need to be one in the, and you need to be one soul uh, 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 emotionally. And then you're one physically. The world flip-flops it. Here's another sin the world condones and makes popular. Sex before marriage. That's wicked. And that's, a, and that's, that's fornication. And it's wrong. If you want to mess up a relationship, go ahead and get intimate and you'll feel obligated to that person whether he's the right one or not. See, the devil uses our flesh and uses temptation to get us into the relationship that we never should be in. And so, folks, listen, do not, do not uh, give the gift away until the honeymoon night. Do not consummate a marriage when you're not married. Say amen. I'm preaching now. You won't find this in sex education at the public school. And I want to tell you something, friend. It'll mess your mind up. It'll mess your commitment up. It'll mess your perspective up when you go ahead and have premarital intimate relationships. It's a terrible thing to do. You need to be strong. I advise this. When you go on a date, put the King James Bible between you and him. And he'll have to climb over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to get to you. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I mean, put the big family Bible up there. Amen. And I'll just, I'm just, and I'm, I'm serious about this, friend. When you get married, the Bible says that you'll be one flesh and they were both naked and man and his wife and they were not ashamed. Has that been mutilated today? I'm going to tell you something. The average high schooler is made fun of for being a virgin. I'm talking about male and female. They're made fun of. Folks, you ought to applaud them. You ought to thank God for them. You ought, to, you ought to lift them up as, as strong and not weak in the flesh and not flimsy in their commitment. But thank God they saved themselves to express oneness. Because, see, I'm going to tell you something. If you're not spiritually one, if you're not emotionally one, when you try to become physically one, it's nothing but being used. And when he's finished with you, he'll drop you like a lead balloon. Yes, you need to hear this message. And I want to tell you this, friend, you'll disrespect each other. And folks, it could, it, could, it could ruin your marriage. There ought to be a progressive intimacy of spirituality in the marriage. And then it's expressed. And if things are not right in the kitchen and things are not right in the living room, it will not be right in the bedroom. I feel like Tony Howarth all of a sudden. Amen. But it will not be right in the honeymoon chamber. You cannot express what does not exist. And folks, there ought to be a spiritual oneness and there ought to be an emotional oneness and then the woman won't feel used. Come on, say amen. Ladies and gentlemen are completely different and God made us that way. We're like microwaves and they're like crock pots. I didn't say crack pots. Crock pots. It takes a long time for them to warm up. And they can be turned off by fussing and fighting all day and then you go to bed and say, what about now? And they say, you're crazy. That's right. I'm just being honest with you. This is, this is like a retreat. But I'm just going to say this, friend. If it's spiritual, it'll be right. And if it's emotionally oneness, it'll be right. And it's an expression of the other two oneness. So there's spiritual oneness, there's soul oneness, and there's physical oneness. But the world flips it. 
let's see, let's be physical. And then we'll try to get the emotions together. And then later on, we'll rededicate our life and ask God to forgive us for fornicating. That is backwards. And the world is backwards. And the world is perverted. Because Satan does that. He'll mess your life up. He'll mess your marriage up. And I want to tell you something, friend. He is a devil that wants to divide and devour. And that's why it's a shame for you not to love your mate like Christ loves the church. It's a shame to go through manipulating and manipulating and manipulating, trying to get your way and boss your way and be the head of the house. And by the way, if you have to tell your wife that you're the head of the house, you're not. She ought to know you're the head of the house. I'm not talking about a dictator. I'm talking about a loving, spiritual, Christ-like leader. Leader. Amen. That's that's the furthest thing from a dictator in the world. You ought to be so much like Christ that she delights in submitting to you. She loves going to church with you. She loves to hear you read the Bible. She loves to hear you pray. She loves to uh, see you love and forgive those that hurt you. She just loves you because you love God. And she she's reminded every time she sees you of God and God's love. So here's the big plan, spiritual oneness. That's why marriage is so important. It expresses God's plan. It expresses God's relationship with the church. It expresses that he should be glorified because he is a God that thought all this together. He's a God that made you. He's a God that made your mate. And folks, you compliment each other. Amen? I mean, just the the, the opposite sex tells us that God has a plan. And then here comes the world. God help the world. That they're going to have a better plan. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, they work that which is unseemly. Men with men. Women with women. And he calls it abomination and a reprobate mind. And that's where our world is today. Isn't it a shame? Doesn't it disgrace you for God's glory? Doesn't it hurt you? Doesn't it make you sick? And if that sin doesn't make you sick, something's wrong with you. Folks, thank God we're attracted to the opposite sex. Say amen right there. And if you're not, I'll see you after service. Amen. I'll beat the stuffings out of you. You know, not not really. I will counsel with you and love you and help you and win you to the Lord. Amen. I'm just kidding. I'm not as mean as my bark. Ask my wife. She barks, I jump. No, not really. But anyway, the commitment to cleave. The commitment to to, uh, cleave. You know what that is? It's a sacred covenant not to be taken lightly. Oh, here's another thing. I'll just preach against everything, so here I am. Prenuptial agreement. If it don't work out, we've got plan B. And you're not getting a thing when I leave you with my millions. You're destined to fail. There is no plan B. It's God's plan. And folks, it's a covenant, not a contract. It's a covenant, not a pre-marital, prenuptial agreement, whatever in the world that is. And so... Number four, 
the commitment to become one flesh creates a divinely mysterious union. Emotionally, physically, and spiritually, you become transparent. That's why the Bible says, and I didn't get to these verses, love rejoices in truth. That'll be the most honest relationship you've ever had. You should be able to share everything with your mate. That's why you need to learn to communicate. And folks, number five, when you build from God's blueprint, one plus one equals one. But let me just say this. Here is God's blueprint. It works. It works. You say, I ain't going by God's blueprint. Well, let me ask you a question. How's your children turn out? I ain't going by God's blueprint. Be in church, read your Bible, pray, treat my wife like Christ treats the church. Let me ask you a question. How's your marriage working out? I guarantee you it's World War III half the time. It's manipulation. It's maneuver. It's coldness. Cold war. You ever not spoken to your wife for a few hours, a few days, a few, a few weeks? It is terrible. Amen? I mean, you got him speaking to the one that you are called to be one with? God, help us. It's a blueprint. It's the blueprint. It's God's blueprint. And then sixthly, marriage is an intensely spiritual relationship. Therefore, God must be at the center of your life and your marriage. It's a spiritual relationship. I've seen it over and over again. A young couple gets married and they get too busy making money. And so they all get jobs on Sunday. They make junior work on Sunday because, you know, he needs to make $7 an hour down here at Wendy's and, and uh, so he can buy him a car. I'm going to tell you, so what does it profit a car? You have a car if you're riding by yourself the rest of your life. Say amen. What does it profit to have a good house and if it's empty and it's just a house and not a home? Folks, we've got to get our priorities right. And our priorities are th is this, God's plan, God's power, God's blessing. I'd rather have God's blessing and live in a shack. Amen. And I have lived in some shacks. Somebody told me that when I first came to town, I told them where I lived on West Crawford Street, and they said, oh, you live in the quarters. I said, I came home and I said, honey, we're moving. Somebody said we live in the quarters. There's nothing wrong with living in the quarters. If you live in the quarters, that's fine. But I thought I was at least a 50-cent preacher. Amen. I wasn't going to live in no quarters. And it was a humble beginning. I'll never forget one time we went on vacation, and they moved us from a two-bedroom apartment to a three-bedroom apartment in the same apartment complex. That was a blessing. We went into number 16, and it was empty. I ran down, I made a fool out of myself. I ran down to the, the, the uh, manager, who was Lisa, who helped start the church, and her husband, who's dead now and in heaven. He's the one that had the U-Haul up behind the hearse. <laughs> and he played the organ in that little storefront. And I ran down there and knocked on the door, and I said, Rick, at least you ain't going to believe this. But um, while I was on vacation, somebody come into our house, and they stole my gold velour couch. I didn't think anybody would steal a gold velour couch. Hallelujah. And they also stole, Rick, you ain't going to believe this, my gold velour chair that goes next to the couch. And they stole that little round table. And they stole my 16-inch TV. 
That's an insult to all you TV watchers right there, amen? You got a computer bigger than that. <laughs> and then they started smiling, and I thought, well, what's up? Why are you smiling at my dilemma? He said, well, I had the men get together, and they moved you to apartment 39. It's three bedrooms, a kitchen, and a living room. And when we went down there, me and Connie just cried that we would have a three-bedroom apartment to continue starting this church. We had some great time. We met for visitation in that little apartment. I'll never forget one time uh, one of the fellows in our church sat on my glass. We had a glass coffee table, too. That was to go with the velour couch. And he fell through it. He rear end first, and there was points of glass everywhere, and it was awful. It was terrible. I thought he damaged himself for life. And boy, we just went on soul winning. He was hobbling while he went soul winning. But we went on soul winning. And so, but I want to tell you something, friend. I had a wife that was content. I still have one, same one, by the way. And I have a wife that loved me no matter what I would do. And I want to tell you something. She loved me, and I scratched every bit of furniture because I moved in a cattle truck up here. And she didn't ever complain. Now, friend, I just want to weep when I think about how good she's been to me. Now, you don't get that at five and ten cent store. You don't get that just by going shopping at some place. You get that when God brings somebody to you. And you have enough sense to realize it's God's will. And you don't marry for looks or money. Because I know my wife did not marry me for either one. Maybe looks, but not money. No. <laughs> and not pride. Because she saw God in me. And I saw God in her. And it's a wonderful relationship. I'm not bragging on anybody but the one that we both love, Jesus Christ. I'm not bragging on anything else but what we strive for, and that's to serve Him with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. And we're one mind about it. It's not good that man should be alone. That's the, that's the dilemma. But here's the plan. I'll give you a gift. And her name will be Eve. And I'm not going to take her out of your foot. And I'm not going to take her out of your head for her to rule you or for you to stomp on. I'm going to take her out of your heart. And he said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. I'll call her woman because she was taken out of man. Oh, folks, true love and lifetime companionship are a product of God's design. And since marriage is God's idea, it's time, it's time, it's high time that we return to our maker and ask him how it's supposed to work. Amen? And it just breaks my heart when people leave God out of their relationship. When they, when they leave church. I've had couples have the tragedy of losing a baby. I mean, I preached, I think, in, in, in about five or six years, about seven or eight SID deaths in this, in this county. where These babies were just dying uh, in the crib, and they didn't know why. And, and I begged those couples. I begged them, 
next to the little casket, I was on my knees, and I said, whatever you do, don't get bitter. And whatever you do, don't fall out of church. Don't blame God. I don't know why this happened. It breaks my heart. I cannot take it. I don't know how, what to say at this funeral. I was just a young preacher just starting out. But I said, I want to tell you something. If you're not careful, the devil will use this tragedy as an opportunity to divide your hearts. And I'm going to tell you something. Seven out of the eight of those eight couples fell out of church. <clears throat> and not only did they fall out of church, but they're divorced today. And they're both bitter at each other and bitter at God for that tragedy in their life. Folks, God's got a plan. And even in the valley, God is good. But I'll tell you what's good about being in the valley when you got somebody with you in that valley because loneliness will eat your lunch. And think about some of y'all what y'all been through. But you had a husband. But you had a wife that would stay up at night and weep with you. That would cook you your favorite meal and you didn't need it because you're 15 pounds overweight like your pastor. But she knew that she had to get that rice and that chicken casserole cooked on that very night that you said you wasn't going to eat ever again. <clears throat> when you had somebody to just lay next to you and not know what to say, but you knew they cared and you knew they hurt with you. Folks, that's God's plan. Commitment in marriage is a vital ingredient. <clears throat> Commitment to a lifetime love is a, is a vital plan. No matter what, be determined not to quit. Let me just give you this one statement we'll go. No matter how bad circumstances seem or how damaged our relationship feels, commitment says this. Now listen, this is what commitment says. I am staying because I believe that God can rekindle a great and fiery love from the ashes of our injuries. From the ashes of our injuries. Thank God for God's plan. But thank God for God's power to fulfill that plan. And then Genesis chapter 3, and I'll not get there, but folks, the reason that spiritual oneness is so important, number 3, Brother Cody, or Brother Joel, whoever's back there, is it's the focus of the devil's fight. What was the first thing that the devil did after that beautiful oneness? When Adam received his gift, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast. He began to attack Adam and Eve and try to divide and devour them. And he did a pretty good job of it. But God, in his grace, came along and forgave. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for this series that I feel led to, to preach. God, you got the plan. You got the priority. God, you got the power. And God, what we need to do is make sure we're full of your power, full of your spirit. And the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. That God, those fruits would manifest 
and be a blessing to our mate, to our spouse. God, help us to leave, but help us to cleave. But most important of all, in the permanency of marriage, help us to be one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. God, it's a shame when we leave you out. It's a shame when we do what we feel like doing. But Lord, it's a blessing to go by your plan, by your priority, trusting your spirit to love through us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to say this, I'm going to say it honestly. It's only by the grace of God you're married today. It's only by the grace of God that you're still married. Because you know how many times you left out God. You know how many times things are more important. It's only the grace of God and the mercy of God that any of us are here, including me. But thanks be to God for His mercy. Thank God for His victory. We'll see that in the next week when chapter 3 opens up, how the Lord stomps the devil with truth and forgives the first husband and wife with His mercy. But how many would say, Preacher, I'm so thankful that I have a spiritual relationship with my spouse. I'm so thankful I have His Word and that we wanted to come to church tonight together worship together I'm just so glad that God has blessed us with his love for each other and that's your testimony tonight would you slip your hand up gratefully God bless you some of you have been married years and years and years longer than I have which is a miracle I'm so old but thank God every day is an individual blessing from God living with a spiritual person Father, thank you for your plan. Thank you for your priority. Thank you for your power. God, help us to leave, cleave, and be one. And God, may we not just be married. Help us, God, to be spiritual one, one with each other, with you, God, in love. God, may we bring the Holy Spirit home tonight. We want to fuss, we forgive. We want to manipulate, we minister. Want to give up? We keep on going because God has blessed us with your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Bless these couples, bless these families, bless these singles. God, to have a high standard. God, to uh, date those that are more spiritual than them. God, to uh, bring each other up spiritually, not bring each other down physically. God, to glorify you in their relationship. We praise you for your beautiful plan, your beautiful will that's ahead of you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.